Hello, Grimmers. This is Amanda. This is Christina. And welcome to Grim Girls. I'm not ready. I'm not ready at all. <laughs> well, you gotta be. I know. Gosh, and my chair's still squeaky, and I'm just so overloaded from all the work I put into this. Mm-hmm. I'm. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> Um, but I'm gonna begin. I just need to adjust my, my butt. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not so squeaky. Um, I'm still squeaking. Okay. All right. We're starting. We're starting this episode. You guys, it won't stop. (laughs) You're talking about it. Now it's like obnoxious. I know. Oh, I just need to get rid of it. Okay. We're gonna try this again. (laughs) No. So this episode, this is one that... Oh, God. This is the episode. The episode that made me want to start a podcast because this case happened so close to me. It was such a huge thing, and I knew I was going to do it. I've been taking my sweet time with it because Mm -hmm. I've actually been gathering a lot of information. Mm -hmm. This entire 13-fucking-page thing I wrote on this case is original content like Mm -hmm. i took some stuff from news reports but 90 percent of this is my own recounts accounts Mm -hmm. of you know what happened and talking to people who were there and who knew things and it's just a whole thing so like bitch don't don't copyright me because this is this is me here yeah yeah, this is your content (laughs) this is my original content so like if anyone were to cover this case they would be stealing from me Mm -hmm. because that's how like og this is this yeah i really went hard so it means a lot to me Mm -hmm. because this is like this is gonna be a good story it it is. It's also sad. Oh, it's of course it's, it's sad. Yes, of course it's sad. It's very sad. But this is um, this is my baby. Mm-hmm. This is my podcast baby. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, first, we want to touch base on our episode that I covered on Jeremy. I'm not saying his last name because the whole time during that episode, I was saying it wrong. Apparently. <laughs> We did have a listener reach out to us, um, and she actually knew the proper way to pronounce the last name because she went to school with two of his nephews. So she said that the name is pronounced Sagastagi. Mm -hmm. So we were way off. We were way off. Way off. So no, you were way off. I I didn't even pronounce. No, you didn't even bother. You were like, oh no, (laughs) no, I was way off. But you know what? I'm glad we have the proper one. And I'm super grateful that she reached out to us. Um, and that just goes to show that we have listeners. Yeah. And, you know, Tri-Cities is not that big of a town. So, you know that there's relatives. Oh, yeah. Of those people still living here. Or and that, people that went to school with them. Or, you know, it's, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. She also told us that the food pavilion that we mentioned that he said he was considering going and shooting up mm-hmm. is now the Kennewick School District building that's on 4th Avenue in Kennewick. Yeah, and we weren't sure where the location was. Yeah, so. I wasn't around at that time. So um, I just want to give a huge shout-out to Kendall Nunnemaker for reaching out to us. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening, and you're amazing. Yes, thank you so much. And anybody who wants to correct us, I promise you we will not take offense to it because well, we it, want to be able to say the information correctly, especially yeah. when it comes to names. No, like we totally are all on board for it as long as you're respectful, which she totally was. Absolutely. And 
yeah, I mean, if you come at us and you're just being a dick about it, okay, <laughs> okay. But yeah. no, anyone that has construct- constructive feedback, give it to me, baby. Yeah, and we will, if you're comfortable with it, we will always give the shout out. But we will uh, yes. always ask you first because some people aren't comfortable with that. Yeah. So, all right. I just wanted to uh, mention that here in our intro because that was uh, some information that we needed to repeat. <laughs> yes, get ready, Grimmers. Uh, hold on to your butts. And guess what? This is going to be a curse word free episode. Have I cursed yet? I don't know, but I forgot you were going to do that. So yeah. Does that mean I can't cuss? You can cuss. I can't cuss. I'm on okay. lockdown. Okay. I'm on. It's. I'm going to cuss. Crap. But that's not a cuss word. Um, <laughs> I just, you know what? I got to try to mellow it down and I'm going to attempt to on this one, but it might be really hard for me because this case is so personal. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to attempt it. All right. So let's get started, guys. Tell us what the case is. Oh, man. We... Okay. I didn't even mention that, did I? No. <laughs> All right. So, this case has two names. Yes. There is the Ouija board murders. And, as many of us know, the Shacklin murders. Okay. I did not know that it was ever called the Ouija murders. It is. My sister actually told me that, and then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, shit. They, this, like, that's more on, like, a national level as far as... Would they say they were playing the Ouija board? They were. Oh. They're, yeah. There's a lot in... You might not know a lot about this. I I know who they are. Mm-hmm. I don't know know the in-depths, and then I'll talk about later Yeah, my part in it, but, yeah, I don't know. I didn't know that side yeah, of it. Yeah, this is a... Uh, it's a very interesting case i will say hmm. um it's also very personal to me personally and to a lot of people that i know are going to be listening to this episode mm-hmm. because i did have well, a requ- we got requests for this one yeah. and it was always going to happen and the- this is a small town oh yeah and a lot of people were impacted by this yep and we're going to talk about that too so now that you know what we're talking about if you don't know anything about it that's fine just keep listening yeah and if you do know about it Hold the fuck on. Oh, damn I'm it. I'm sure you're... I cussed. <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh, we... Crap. Well, well, Christina there went that. now... <laughs> she cannot go an episode without cussing. All right. We're, we're, let's go. I'm not going to cuss anymore, I swear. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. Oh, don't mind my son screaming in the background. Uh, all right. I'm going to try to push through, but this is, this is a long one. So, yeah, I've been pushing this off. I'm not sure why. Um, I think maybe it's because of it's the case that inspired me to start a podcast. So it was very, you know, close to me. So um, this happened literally down the street from me. Mm-hmm. So I knew the victims personally. And this case is personal in a way that it was just such a huge big it was huge when it happened this happened in a small town everyone knew this family they were very active and known in our community and it was super unexpected and this shocked everyone this story like i said is original Mm -hmm. um so for as far as that i got a lot of my info from research but a massive massive chunk of Everything in here is from my personal accounts, mutual friends. I have contacts that, that have given me their accounts of the story. So this has never been done on this case. This information um, 
has not all been documented together mm-hmm. um, the way I'm doing it right now. So, yeah, if anyone wants to use this information that I'm giving, do it. But at least give me the credit where credit's mm-hmm. due, you know? I feel very protective over it. <laughs> I would, too. Um, I put a lot of hard work into this. I literally typed for two days straight. I researched for a long time, mm-hmm. and the typing took me two days. I 100% agree, because when I do my brother's story, it would be the same. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be crazy. So, so like I said, I gathered a lot of info through public research. A lot of this you can find on your own, um, but a lot of it you cannot. Um, I think I repeated myself in here for some reason. I have, anyways, um, yeah, I got a lot of knowledge on this, and we're, uh, gonna get started, and the reason I have all this knowledge is because I'm nosy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm super nosy, and, um, it, it, you know, it was just so close, I, I had to know everything. Yeah. I I mean, you literally were, like, a half a mile from mm -hmm. them. We rode the bus together every day and more than that which you're gonna find out about Mm -hmm. all right so let's get started we're gonna start by talking about ellen shacklin ellen was also known as Lori to everyone so that's what i'm gonna be referring to her as in this case is Lori, because that's who she was she was Lori. she was my male lady yeah mine too Uh, She was a single mother to three children. She was born on March 15th, 1966 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She was known as an animal lover. She had so many animals at her house because she was always rescuing and taking in animals that needed a home. She raised pygmy goats. She bred birds. She had a lot of pets. She had cockatoos. Like, Mm -hmm. she had, I think she had llamas. I want to say I saw llamas there. Hmm. I know um, she had birds, because she used yeah. to come over to our house and trim my bird's beaks. Oh, yeah. She was big on the birds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in the early 2000s, she actually moved to the Tri-Cities area from Texas. Elizabeth was the youngest child of hers, and she was born on April 14th, 1994. Oh, my gosh. That's my little brother's birthday. Is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. He's going to... He's listening to this, too. <laughs> well, Happy early birthday. <laughs> you share your birthday with a special person, because Elizabeth was a special, special person. Mm-hmm. So, Elizabeth was actually really into baton and flag and rifle, all that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what you call color it. Color guard. Yeah, color guard. That's what it is. She was really big on that. I actually remember seeing her in her little baton outfits mm-hmm. and stuff. Um She looked so cute. She earned a lot of medals for her skills doing that. Um, So then we also have Donald. He's the middle child of the family. Mm -hmm. I don't know his birthday. I probably could have found it, but at this point I was like, no, I'm done, man. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's an older son. Um, I'm going to leave his name out for his privacy. I do know his name. I did find his name. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't think he would want that. Yeah. Um, and if somebody really wanted to know, I'm sure they could find that information. Yeah, and just don't. Just yeah. leave them alone. <laughs> so, Lori, she worked a lot of various jobs trying to support her kids. She's a single mother. Um, it was listed. She worked at West Richland Mini Mart for two years. Have you oh, seen her there? I don't know if I remember seeing her there, but, I mean, it's a convenient place to go a lot. Yeah, I went there a lot. I don't remember seeing her specifically there at the time, but... I only remember seeing her as my male lady and then coming over for the birds. Mm Mm-hmm. She also worked for the Tri-City Herald. She delivered newspapers. Oh. Yeah. 
Um, I, like, I even wrote in here, I believe she delivered mail at one time. Yep. She did, because I called my mom to confirm this, because my mom would always talk to the mail people. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, I used to talk to her all the time. We used to just talk about our kids and stuff. Yeah. She couldn't remember any specific things they talked about. She just remembered, you know, having conversations with her, Mm -hmm. like, friendly, hey, how are you doing type of stuff. Um, but she was super sweet. Yeah, she was she just was. a genuine, genuine lady. Um, so I personally actually remember her working for Ranch and Home. Oh, I didn't know that she worked there. She did, and it's not listed anywhere, but I know for a fact she did because she first started there around the time I went in to find my first pair of Wranglers. Aww. Because my grandpa took me. And I was really into 4-H and, you know, FFA. (laughs) Hey, I loved FFA. Yeah. And then I was, um, yeah, I was president of my 4-H club, and I really got into barrel racing and stuff. So my grandpa took me to Ranch and Home for some Wranglers. I needed a pair of Wranglers. Mm -hmm. Um, And she helped me pick out my first pair of Wranglers. Aww. She was so nice. Pretty sure she directed us toward the cowboy hats, too, because I know I got, like, a nice belt and a cowboy hat and all that. My grandpa always took me shopping. Mm. But she was super helpful to us, and she helped me with my first pair of Wranglers. Oh. And I I do always remember her being very... Yeah. Very willing to help. She was. And I I saw her later on, too, I remember, and I was like, hey, thank you. That was my first pair of Wranglers. It's so nice of you Mm -hmm. to help me. Yeah, just... She was so sweet. Um... So now all the info I'm about to discuss, um, this is just my own personal experiences growing up with the family. Um, this is not documented. This is my story here. Mm-hmm. So just so you know, before I get into it, um, I knew Lori because I grew up in little old Benton City. I moved there in the fifth grade and, um, I went to Bear Essentials daycare with her two youngest kids, Donald and Elizabeth. Do you remember Bear Essentials? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. So, like, both of our parents were single moms, and, you know, we went to Bear Essentials. There was a lot of kids that went there with us. So, it was a pretty small daycare, but I feel like all the kids that attended this daycare, we were all really close. We played video games all the time. I remember playing video games with Donald and Elizabeth. We were always playing that skate, uh, was it Tony Hawk? Oh. Yeah, we we were always playing those games, and... I wasn't a nerd as a kid. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, we had the younger kids. My sister was there. She was Elizabeth's age. And we had the older kids. Um, and I know we kind of separated. So, like, Elizabeth and my sister and all them had their own little group where they would play with stuff. And then us older kids, um, they had, like, computer stations. And I remember being in that area. And mm-hmm. it was me. I'm not going to mention their names. I know their names. There was uh, me and a girl that I grew up with and another boy we went to school with that was in the same grade as me and that girl. And Donald would come hang out with us. And I remember we would all just sit there and listen to Linkin Park. Mm. Because one of the the boy that was in the same grade as us was showing us Linkin Park, which I already knew who Linkin Park was because my mom. <laughs> but I love Linkin Park. We would all just sit there and we're listening to music. And I, I just specifically remember us all listening to Linkin Park together. That's mm. just a memory I have. Huh. Yeah. So, at that time, you know, Elizabeth, as far as I remember, she was your average young girl. She had beautiful blonde hair. She had a very unique voice. I will never forget her voice. It will always be in my head. It was just unique. I kind of remember Donald's voice, but Elizabeth, I I know her voice. See, and I know Donald more. I don't know his... I don't know the sister. Yeah. I've I've seen her, but I never... I mean, Donald went to school with us, so yeah. that's, I know. He was closer to our age, mm-hmm. younger, but closer. So, um, Elizabeth, she was sweet. She could hold her own, though, if she needed to. 
and Donald always stuck up for her. He would pick on her like a normal brother would. Mm -hmm. He picked on her all the time. Like, I picked on my sister, though. It's not a big deal. Um, But I do remember vividly, he would get really protective of her if anyone tried to mess with her. I do remember specifically something happened at one time where I witnessed this, and he got pissed. I I cussed again. He got mad, (laughs) and he was about to fight someone for her because they were trying to bully her or do something that he didn't like. Well, and what a big sibling should do. Yeah. Um, So Donald is what I would call a clown. He was always joking around. He was the jokester, the prankster. He was always kind of getting in trouble just for dumb stuff. Yeah, just being goofy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He also had blonde hair, and you know he was he was just funny. Mm -hmm. We all thought he was funny. Yeah. So later in life, you know, um, I would see the family around a lot. We eventually kind of went our own separate ways because I, my sister and I, got a babysitter. We left the daycare. and we'd still see them around in school and, like, in town. I would always, I do remember at Benton City Days, I recall seeing Lori and the kids all walking together down, like, the main road with their Great Pyrenees. I eventually got old enough where we, you know, like I said, we didn't go to daycare anymore. We ended, we ended up moving out to Rupert Road, the same road they lived on. Yep. So we ended up riding the bus together. And I think it was right before I moved out there. I wasn't going to mention it, but it is kind of funny to mention. Um, I was in, like, eighth grade, I want to say. I know I was still in middle school. And I think Donald might have been just hitting sixth grade, I want to say. And I just remember walking in front of the school one time. I don't know where I was going or going from a class or something. And I passed him, and he stopped, and he looked at me because we haven't, like, seen each other in a while since we quit going to daycare. And he was like... Christina? And I was like, yeah. He's like, damn, you got hot. And I was like, what? (laughs) He literally said that to me. And I was like, okay. And I just kept going. But that was just kind of a funny thing. Um, Anyways, so yeah, we ended up living on the same road. We all rode the bus together. Mm -hmm. So they were in our area. We were always near them for some reason. And... um, Yeah, so we all rode the bus together, and around the time that we started riding the bus, my sister and Elizabeth actually became close friends. And they had their own, like, clique, the the girls. Yeah. I don't want to mention all the girls' names. I'll mention Amber. Amber and another girl, Nicole, Elizabeth, and another girl. Mm -hmm. I have their names. I just don't want to say them. (laughs) They were all—they had their own groups, so— They all sat together on the bus. I sat in the back with the high schoolers. Donald sat right next to us because he was borderline going into high school. Mm -hmm. So, uh, let me see where I left off. Um, So, yeah, on the bus, I, you know, remembered we all got in trouble on that bus. We actually, I found out later from a previous bus driver that used to work for Benton City, we had the worst route. Hmm. As far as kids, apparently we were, we had a reputation on that bus, and I <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I did. I I will have to say I contributed. <laughs> I knew you were the bad influence. <laughs> I wasn't the worst, but I, I I contributed. So yeah, we got into a lot of shit on that bus. Um, we had a huge paper fight one time, and Donald actually I think got blamed for it for starting it. 
but this, I will never forget this. And it's a good memory because we had a blast. We had a massive <laughs> paper fight in I the back see, of the bus. I just see, like, confetti <laughs> flying everywhere on the it bus. It was just, like, we all, like, yanked homework and shit out yeah. of our backpacks and balled I just, it up. I just think of so much paper There were around. kids <laughs> doing spitballs. It was... It was oh what you would picture, honestly. It was nuts. That's and it crazy. was so funny. And Don, I think Donald did start it. And <laughs> I'm sure they saw it on the camera. But it was it was so funny. Yeah. So I think he got actually suspended from the bus for that. Which we all felt bad because we all contributed. Mm-hmm. But no one said anything. We weren't gonna. Yeah. yeah it was, it's kind of messed up to say. But it's what happened. Um, Donald got in trouble on the bus a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, just just stupid stuff we were all doing stupid stuff shit i i remember i finally got my license and i quit riding the bus because i didn't want to get suspended because i did something yeah i've been suspended off of a bus before have you yeah and i was in elementary school what did you do i can't remember but i was being a total butthead oh. i do remember that i had a huge attitude and the bus driver stopped my mom because I was still in elementary school, so when they dropped us off, you know, he opened up the driver window. Yeah. Had a conversation with my mom. Oh. And was like, just so you know, I'm riding her up. She won't be able to ride the bus anymore. Yeah, I... And then I... Wait. What's even better is this guy still drives for the Richland School District. Oh, really? And he's seen me when I dropped off Nevea, and he, like, caught eyes with me. And, I mean, I do relatively look the same. Yeah. You know, from when I was younger, just older and i'm like oh man he probably like gave me that look because he knew <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I-, I do remember being a little hellion oh yeah on that bus yeah but it never got suspended again off of us i my mom threatened my ass i would have if i wouldn't have just stopped riding the bus i probably would have i i don't there's a certain person that i rode the bus with i just oh, mouthed the name yeah. to her and um he did something to piss me off Mm-hmm. And I just threw a sandwich at him, <laughs> and somehow the sandwich split open, and the side with all the mayonnaise landed smack on his cheek. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! And the bus driver saw the sandwich mid air, <laughs> and she didn't actually see me specifically, and no one actually, no one actually tattled on me. Surprisingly, someone might have. I don't know, but she was like, "Who threw that sandwich?" That's so funny. I don't know. Yeah, it was. It was. It was funny, but. That's great. It's a bus. We all did dumps. It, oh, we yeah. really bonded, though, too, on that bus because we were all just kids. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I just wanted to establish the closeness that mm-hmm. we had on that bus. Yeah. We were all, it was a small community. All the kids hung out with each other on the street. I was always going up and down Rupert Road on mm-hmm. my bike, going to my friend's house. There was a bunch of boys that lived out there. I was always going to their houses. Like, it was... We were just a small little Rupert Road community. Yeah. You know? So I just wanted to establish that as far as where we were. Yeah. As far as the closeness. So now now we're going to talk about the family and what happens. So Donald, um, so he, he was a funny, funny kid. But things at home were not all peaches and butterflies. Like, as we all got older, we all kind of go through phases. Mm -hmm. Donald started going through a phase. So he started to have some run-ins with the law, which was stressing Lori out Mm -hmm. um, with his behavior. And because of that, 
he was scheduled for a mental evaluation with the Benton County court officials and then scheduled to attend treatment in Seattle for six months. But instead, apparently, they let him go and didn't follow through. So I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that, but it was reported that he was supposed to do this. And according to a friend of Lori's, she suspected that Donald might have been bipolar or schizophrenic. Yeah. So he spent some time in juvenile detention, and that's where he met Joshua Tucker. Mr. Tucker. Joshua Tucker um, was 18. I think he might have been 17 when they were in juvie, because if he was 18, I don't think he would have been in juvie. No, you wouldn't be in juvie. Yeah. But that just reminded me, one of the girls I used to work with was um, Josh's uh, P.O., for, oh. for Juvie. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. So, um, as far as Donald's criminal history, he did start doing bad things. I don't know... Actually, I do know. I found out which charge landed him in Juvie at the time he met Josh. But his history involves putting a post on MySpace saying he was going to kill all the kids at the school dance by poisoning the drinks. And that's why he was in Juvie at the time he met I remember Josh. that, yep. Do you? Mm-hmm. I probably do, and I just forgot about it. He also um, had charges as far as reckless burning, malicious mischief, vehicle prowling, and possessing stolen property. So he was definitely starting to go down a pretty dark criminal Mm -hmm. path. He... So, we'll get back to him. Um, Let's talk about Josh Tucker. Josh had a pretty rough start with life also. He was, according to his biological mother, he was very sweet and caring as a young boy. Mm -hmm. He... So his mom had an accident in 1983. She was a Richland High School graduate, but she broke her back two days before her 16th birthday when she was inner tubing in Roslyn and went over a 60-foot waterfall. <gasps> oh. So she was living in an apartment in Kennewick until she had to go into a nursing home. So when she was put in the nursing home, um, Josh went to go live with her brother, but that when she was 16, she broke her back. Yeah. So okay. she was a paraplegic. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then eventually she had to go to a nursing home mm-hmm. and Josh was sent to live with her brother because the nursing home was in Seattle. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but he didn't really last that long with his brother for some reason. I'm not sure the story there, but he ended up in foster care. And while he was in foster care, he tended to run away a lot, which is really typical with foster kids. They do run away pretty often. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm researching something real fast. Oh. His mother uh, said that when he would, like, take care of her when she still had him, he used to help clean up her, like, bed sore wounds and stuff, and he was super sweet and caring. Like, he would just take care of her. Oh. Yeah. So, when he was in foster care, that's when Josh began to get in trouble. His history includes malicious mischief, attempting to elude police, minor driving after consuming alcohol, taking a vehicle without permission, hit and run, possession of marijuana under 40 grams, and theft. Now, I didn't add this in here, but it is worth mentioning. There was an article, basically Josh's mother said, well, Donald's history is worse than Josh's. I literally just read both of their uh, criminal charges that they've had, and yeah, I don't feel that way. I mean, I think they're pretty even, to be honest. Yeah. I um, the only thing is Josh is just a little bit older than Donald, so he's had a little more time to 
be a little shit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is the way I see it, but... Anyways, now Josh and Donald ended up in juvie together because of both of their run-ins with the law. So in juvie, Josh began to have an interest in Satanism from other juveniles, basically, and it's assumed and that Donald met Josh and they were just both intrigued with the idealism of Satan Satanism. Ugh, I can't talk. And they both just had this mutual interest, so they, they became friends and they started like getting into the shit together. Mm-hmm. There goes my cursing. <laughs> oh, I I did I lost faith the first time you said it. <laughs> I knew it was gonna happen. <laughs> I can't help myself. So, um, Donald and Josh got released from Juvie eventually, and Donald actually asked his mom to allow Josh to move in with them, and he told Okay, Josh was actually only sixteen. Never mind. Josh was only sixteen when they met. But Donald told his mom Josh was 18. Now, I think that this was the case. I think that's the reason he did this is because Josh was technically, he belonged to the state. He was in foster care. Mm -hmm. So, in Donald's mind, he probably said, well, he's 18, so he's legal. Like, you don't have anything to worry about. He can live here. I think that's why he said that. Um, And that way, Lori would be more willing. Yeah. You know, she doesn't want to get in trouble for uh, harboring a kid or whatever. So, he just, you know, kind of explained to his mom that he doesn't have anywhere else to go, and Lori being the person she was, yep, always helping in. people, she took him in, she allowed him to live there with them. She felt bad for Josh, she just wanted to help her son's friend, and she was just a really loving, giving person. She just seemed like, I think she was a pushover. Yeah, probably. I think she just, well, she I just, think she, she let saw, people. She, well, she saw, from what I remember of her, I think she just saw the good in people. Yeah, but I, it allowed people to take advantage, yes. unfortunately. All right, so now we're going to get back to where I wanted to go with that. Donald started to change, you mm-hmm. know, once Josh moved in. Um, he started dyeing his hair black. Do you remember his black I hair? I remember the black mm-hmm. hair. That's why when you said he had blonde hair, that really threw me off because I only remember him with dark hair. So I met him when he was little, so yeah. he had blonde hair. That's his natural hair color. But yeah, he started dyeing his hair black. He started wearing the long black parachute Trench, yep. pants, tr- the black hoodies, baggy pants. He started to get more quiet on the bus. I do remember that he would just sit there and wouldn't talk to no one. He kind of just listened to music and zoned out. He was not the same kid he used to be. He was changing. Mm -hmm. Um, But no one thought anything of it because we all go through phases. Shit, I went through that phase at one point. I didn't really go that far, like, is to dye my hair black and all that, but I had my days. I went through my days where I just didn't, I hated everyone and I would just listen to my music and ignore everyone. So I just, you know, no one's going to think anything of that. We're kids. We're yeah. figuring our lives out still and who exactly. we are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kids go through this phase all the time. He really did change himself though. Around this time, it just, I think things started to consume him because of the influence from his friend and how they were just kind of feeding into each other, I think, mm-hmm. as far as the dark stuff that they were getting into. Um, on MySpace, where he made that threat to the school, claiming he was going to poison the drinks, his name on MySpace, he put as Tormentor of Christian Souls. Hmm. 
Yeah. There's also allegations that Donald and his mom were having very violent drunken fights and that Donald would abuse the animals on their property. I don't know how accurate this is. These are reports that I got from a news source. This isn't anything I heard personally. I did hear that they killed a bunch of animals the night that everything happened, but that... That's all I, I heard that. Yeah, but I don't think that was true. There's no evidence to support that happening that I've found. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to ask Luke to see if he knows. Because he was, he was there, so yeah. he would know. I don't think that it's true. I think it would have been reported a lot more if it was the case. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably just somebody... It's rumor. Yeah, rumor. People just... That's how it goes. So, all right. Now, in December of 2007, Lori gave Donald... to go Christmas shopping, and Josh went with him. While they were out, they apparently couldn't find anything, and Josh talked Donald into getting a Ouija board. So, Donald did. He was into that stuff. Shit, I would have bought a Ouija board. (laughs) Yeah, you would have. Yeah, we'll get into that. I'm not even ready for that conversation we're going to have. They bought the Ouija board, and they played with it. Um, Now, that's when things got deadly. Literally, they that things got deadly. Yeah. So we're gonna veer off a little bit from there, though. We're gonna talk about Ouija boards. We w- just so we can get in the proper mindset of everything that happened in this case. Mm-hmm. Um. So this d- d- God, I'm gonna stutter because I'm gonna get all weird. <laughs> the Devil's Summoning Board is what it's also called. Yeah. All sorts of names for this thing. Now. Many people know, even I've played with a Ouija board before, and some people are terrified of these things, and they believe that they summon evil spirits or demons, and as you heard from me in past episodes, yeah, they can be creepy. If you haven't heard my story of the night at Two West, I didn't even call it that, at the mental hospital, it was on, that's the unit it was on, um... Yeah, go listen to our spooky episode, because there is a story about a Ouija board in my spooky episode that I tell you about, so yeah. Go listen. (laughs) Yeah, go listen to that shit. But, like I said, Ouija boards can be complicated. Yeah, I don't know much about them, so... Well, I'm about to give you a little history lesson, actually. Okay. Um, Just slight. I'm not going too far in, so don't hate on me if I don't touch on certain things, but I'm just going to graze over it because there's way too much on the Ouija board that I am not going that far. I'm just kind of going to, I just want to get you in the mindset of what the hell this thing is. So, in February of 1891, advertisements began circulating in North America for the Ouija board, the Ouija, the wonderful talking board. That's what they called it. It promised to answer questions about the past, present, and future by providing a link between the known and unknown, the material and immaterial. This is when the world got kind of really into spiritualism. Mm -hmm. So, the spiritualism craze was well and truly underway by the late 19th century, and the Ouija board emerged as one of the most famous items associated with the paranormal. Mm -hmm. So... In 1890, Elijah Bond, who was a local attorney and entrepreneur in Baltimore, Maryland, decided to capitalize upon the craze. So he formalized and patented a commercial talking board. The result was a board marked with the letters of the alphabet as well as the numbers 0 through 9, the words yes, no, and goodbye. And it came with a small heart-shaped planchette 
which was used in seances whenever a spirit wanted to write on a message board. So, over the coming century, the board experienced spikes in popularity during periods of uncertainty. So, the devastation of World War I and the manic years of the Jazz Age and Prohibition prompted a surge in Ouija board purchases, as did the Great Depression. So, anytime things in life get rough, we turn to spiritualism. And that's when the Ouija board would always come out and, like, get more use, attention, all of that. So, um, over five months in 1944, a single department store in New York sold 50,000 boards. Wow. Yeah. In 1967, which coincided with more American troops being sent to Vietnam, the counterculture Summer of Love in San Francisco and the race riots in Detroit, um, New York, Minneapolis, and Milwaukee, over 2 million boards were sold. It outsold Monopoly. Wow. Yes. That's crazy to believe. I I believe it, but that's just, I never would have even thought. This thing, it's a big thing. So, eventually an artist created a picture of a man and a woman playing with this Ouija board, just sitting, like, at a table doing, like, a seance or whatever, and I I can post the art. I found it um, doing my research. It's not that big a deal, though. Anyways, this art that he, like, put up on it boosted even more popularity, and with a popularity also comes crimes. Mm. Crimes. People blaming it on the Ouija board? Yes. Pete, there started... Squeaking Whoa. again. Oh my gosh, I can't get it right. <laughs> Sorry. So the, BG, the Ouija board was blamed for a lot of crimes at that mm-hmm. point. Just because there's so many people using it. There's so much unknown about it. It's an easy scapegoat. Yep. yep. That's honestly. And the thing is, there's still that small little part of you that wonders if it is the supernatural doing it. Mm-hmm. And then there's a logical side that says... No, you're just using this as a scapegoat. Like, shut the hell up. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, a balance, and you can't find it with this thing. And that's why I wanted to talk about it, just because there's no definitive answer as to what happened Mm -hmm. in this case. And we're going to talk about that. But I just wanted to touch on the history of the Ouija board, what it is. We all know what the damn Ouija board is, but... There goes another curse word. I'm sorry. I'm it's it's out the window. I'm cussing. I don't care anymore. You know, out of all episodes you chose to not curse. It this was, was the this wrong one. one. Yeah. Maybe next time. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> at this point I might just give up. I mean, you know what? I've toned it down a little bit. I at was least. just gonna say you haven't cursed as much as the last all of your episodes. <laughs> I lost my spot. All right. So anyways, there we go. Got it. (laughs) Until 1973, Ouija boards existed as a popular yet largely non-threatening curiosity. This all changed, though, with the release of The Exorcist. Oh my gosh. I still love watching that movie. So if you don't know, The Exorcist featured a 12-year-old who becomes possessed by a demon after playing with a Ouija board. As a result... The board's occult status was forever cemented, and they have since appeared in more than 20 films and numerous paranormal-themed TV shows. Mm-hmm. It continues to be regarded by some with anything from suspicion to outright condemnation. Condemnation, I can't talk. 
You know what I mean. In 2001, Ouija boards alongside the Harry Potter books were burned by fundamentalist groups in Alamogordo, New Mexico, who believe them to be symbols of witchcraft. More mainstream religious criticism has stated that Ouija boards reveal information that should be known by God alone, meaning thus it is a tool of Satan. I, I, I don't have any commentary on that because you're just staring at me like, what? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I believe it, but I don't believe it. I mean, like... I have my own belief on that Ouija board, well, and this, I don't believe in it. This might be it right here, then. So, s- extensive scientific experiments have pointed to the planchette moving due to the phenomenon of the... I don't know if I'm going to say it right. Edometer effect? Edometer effect? I think that's what it is. Where individuals make automatic muscular movements without conscience, will, or volition, such as, you know, when you cry in response to a sad film. Mm-hmm. It's just a jerk reaction. And that's what they're saying it, that that means. So newly emerging scientific research points to the idea that through the Ouija board, we're able to tap into a part of our unconscious minds that we don't fully recognize or understand on a surface level. I mean, it makes sense. I actually do believe this theory because I believe that our minds can manifest things, but I also believe in evil spirits, kind of. I mean, I believe in evil spirits. I believe in all that. I've only ever played the Ouija board once, and it was with you. After I told myself I'd never play it, only because my mom was like, "Don't you ever play that Ouija board?" You know, I feel like we need to do an experiment after this case. You know, you're not gonna want to after I I finish. I'll be willing to. I'll be willing to do it. Would you? Yeah. Not in my house. Not the fuck in my house. (laughs) Go to your mom's house. (laughs) Oh my gosh, she would hate us. She probably already hates me. (laughs) No. Anyways, we'll go to my mom's house. Let's go play it at the being <laughs> No, no it not. won't work. Anyways, anyways, let's get back on track. So, um, I just think if you're a strong person, I think you're less of a target for, like, negative energies. And it's just a whole thing that we don't know. It's all speculation. It's everyone's got their own beliefs. Mm-hmm. There's no yes or no answer. Yeah. So... I did reach out to a friend of mine, actually, who has a long history with this kind of stuff as far as the occult, Wicca, even Satanism, just for some extra input and so I could better understand how something from playing with this stuff could cause terrible, terrible things to happen. Now, I didn't write any of it down, but I talked to this person um, and he basically told me that people blame a lot of this you know i'm trying to summarize everything because he told me a lot of stuff but a lot of people this gets blamed Mm -hmm. because it's so macabre so unknown and it's used in this way but it's it's also a parlor game like it was never meant for evil Mm -hmm. but there are numerous 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 stories he knows people personally that have contacted the wrong things on the other side and they will if you're weak and you don't know what you're doing they can attach themselves to you come at me bitch i mean no don't actually i just <laughs> come at me now i'm weak oh my god <laughs> now i don't know if i want to play that's what i'm saying you're not gonna want to play when i finish telling you everything but so <clears throat> to me my mind is i know let me explain i know the reason i've played with it in the past is because one, curiosity. Mm-hmm. 
the unknown. That's two, the only reason why I wanted to do it. Two, it's a freaking Ouija board. Like, who does? <laughs> I want to play with the Ouija board. Three, I know myself and I know I'm a strong enough person that I'm not going to let a negative energy attach itself to me because I'm in a mindset where I'm in here as an experiment. Like, when I go into it, I'm like, okay, I'm open. I want to help a spirit if I can or talk to someone just as far as, like, having a conversation and just seeing what happens. Hmm. And I've done it. I would love to speak or to have that conversation with the undead or with the... And you can. You can. Without the Ouija board, though. You can't. Because I don't believe... (laughs) I've never had that experience, so I believe that it exists i just don't know if it's the ouija board itself doing and it. and you know when i played with it i did uh part of me thought it was me some subconsciously there were instances though where i did not so i actually played with the ouija board when i lived in dc with a friend of mine we really got into it and there was one night we were playing with it at her house and there was a story we found out about this little boy that haunted the houses there. Apparently, he died in 9-11 because we lived... Mm. We lived... We were by the Pentagon and all that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, it's old. There's history there, you know? So, we were just talking to the Ouija board to see who we could talk to. Long story short, I forgot the name of the person we were talking to, but we were talking to someone, and it was a little boy. So, we're sitting there, and we were just talking to the spirit nothing crazy was happening they were answering our questions but all of a sudden and i never felt this feeling in my life until that moment i literally felt the hair on the back of my neck stand up like literally i was like what and i thought someone was behind me so after that happened we closed our session we did it properly i was like no i'm good stefan claimed later on after that happened that and I, I, he, I'm not saying I don't believe him by all means, because he's going to listen to this and be like, what the fuck? But after we were playing with the Ouija board, we went to our, our house, which was like a couple houses over. We were pretty close, but he actually woke up in the night. And I remember him waking up thinking there was a small child watching him. Like he opened his eyes and just subconsciously, I don't know if he saw it personally, but felt like there was a small child standing right in front of his face, watching him sleep. And I remember him waking up because I was like, whoa, what's wrong? And he told me. And I was like, oh. And he was like, you're not playing with that Ouija board no more. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. Things, do, unknown, weird things do happen with the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. But there's or also. Is it all in your head? That's the thing. We don't know. Is it in your head? You're just creating these things? Mm-hmm. We don't know. So just, you know, it's interesting to touch upon. Well, let's get back into the story, though, and see how this plays into what happens. Okay. Um. So, Josh and Donald got a Ouija board. They decided to play with it. Do typical stuff. Ask questions. All that, you know, normal Ouija board activity. Mm -hmm. So, there's actually two stories here. According to Donald, they bought the Ouija board right before everything happened that night. Like, that same day. Oh, the same day. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's true, though. Um, Josh claims that... They got it, like, a week before, and they were playing with it for some time before this happened. So, we don't know. Um, regardless, they were playing with the Ouija board. We do know that. So, um, things got hairy after they started playing with this Ouija board. Just There's a report that claims that Lori and both of the boys were actually drinking some alcohol together on the night of these events. This was, um, I believe it was December 18th of 2007. Um, 
supposedly Lori drank with the boys, um, and they were drinking, whatever. I don't know if that's true. I think Josh said that, that information, but it's worth mentioning Mm because it's a possibility. I'm not sure how accurate it is. Um, according to one of my sources, I don't know how accurate this is either, um, Apparently, both the boys were on PCP that night. Oh, man. I remember when PCP was, like, a big thing. Like, yeah. it running through kids our age. I never encountered it. I, I, I never did it, but I know a lot of people that, uh, that used it. And that shit can make you fucking see some crazy shit. And that makes sense. If they were doing PCP and playing with a Ouija board... And then all this stuff happens. That makes total sense to mm-hmm. me. Why they would have, Josh would have, you know. So yeah, let's they, let's. They could have been, yeah. They could have imagined them attacking them. I don't think that's the case, though. We'll, we'll talk about it, and then we'll go. We'll we'll I mean, circle I back to I that. I am definitely not saying that. Yeah, I know. No, we're going to circle back to that conversation. Okay. So during this time that they were playing with the Ouija board, and this account is according to Josh. So Donald opened up a session on the Ouija board, and at some point throughout the many questions they were asking it, Donald jokingly asked the board if Joshua was going to become a serial killer. And the board answered, yup. Like it spelled out yup? I'm not sure, actually. Or it said yes. That's, I was like, wait, did it say yup, or did it just go to Yes. Because typically it would just go to yes. Yeah. That's kind of weird. If it went to yup, you know damn well that's them fucking with it with their own shit. Yes. So, I don't know. Apparently they were talking to like four different spirits throughout their sessions. This was according to my source. Um, Josh started saying strange things and started speaking for himself through the Ouija board, apparently. Like, I think he was like, the spirit was speaking through him, is Mm -hmm. I think what they meant by that. And according to Josh, um, he was speaking with Satan himself during this time. Josh left the room and then grabbed a long, sharp knife from the kitchen. During this time that the boys were doing this, Elizabeth was on the phone with her best friend, Amber. Mm-hmm. They were having a normal conversation about boys and what they wanted to be when they grew up. Uh, this is according to Amber, because she was on the phone with her. Mm-hmm. They were just having a normal, like, whatever you talked about Young with your friend. Conversation. Yeah. yeah. So while they were on the phone, Elizabeth stopped talking suddenly and Amber heard gurgling noises and had no idea what just happened. Josh Tucker used that kitchen knife and slashed Elizabeth across her throat, hitting her jugular vein, which caused her to bleed out very quickly. Donald didn't see it happening until Elizabeth fell to the floor. According to her best friend Amber, she heard her gurgling and choking and heard Elizabeth say, I love you. Mm. They just gave me goosebumps. And then the phone hung up. And Amber tried to call her back but kept getting the busy tone. And Elizabeth died that night at 13 years old. Now. This murder, it always gets to me. I know. Just the little girl. just It's because she didn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. So Lori was calling for Elizabeth and walked out of her bedroom because she heard some stuff. And... That's when um, Josh Tucker began to stab her multiple times. Lori made it to her bedroom after he was stabbing the shit out of her, and she got to her phone and tried to call 911. She did make the call, but it got disconnected. Josh 
stabbed Lori all over her body. It was not reported the exact number, but it was said that it was close to 90 times that he stabbed her everywhere. Yeah, I remember it being a very significant amount. Apparently, the whole time she was being stabbed, she kept calling for Donald to help her. Josh then threw a dumbbell at her. Apparently. Like a weight dumbbell? A weight, yeah. He then threw that at her. I don't know why. And then he went to the bathroom and tried to wash all the blood off his hands. Oh my god, what a fucking psycho. Supposedly he was possessed by the devil. That was not the Ouija board. (laughs) I, uh, that's... PCP, I'm sure it could have made him do some crazy shit, and I'm not blaming it on PCP because I, I I don't know, but fuck. Yeah. So, now, sorry, my chair. See, I thought Donald took a part in it, so this is good to clear that up because I always thought that he killed, that he helped kill his mom. Donald didn't help in any way. If that makes sense. Yeah, he didn't help stop it. He didn't help with it, and he didn't help stop it. He did more helping with it by following Josh's orders. Yeah. If that makes sense. We're going to get more into that, though. So, thanks to some pretty on-it, awesome 911 operators, they were able to track the 911 call to the house. Mm -hmm. So, the first responders got there pretty quick. They amazing, considering that she wasn't able to give them any information. Yeah. And they were able to do that. A neighbor told police that around the time that the murders happened, he heard screaming and yelling, and he heard pigs must die, death to all pigs, and all sorts of just stupid shit like that. So, I remember, like I said, the rumor that the boys were killing the animals after they did all this. I don't have, there's no record of this happening, and... As far as I remember, all the do- all the animals were given to homes and rehomed. I don't remember anything about that. So, Donald, after his sister was slain, tried to conceal her body to hide it from the mom. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Josh told him to do that. He didn't put her in her closet. They tried to. She didn't. They didn't get very far with moving her, though. It's yeah. It sounds like Josh told him to do it. I don't know for certain. Um, At this point, Donald was most definitely in shock, though, because, uh, according to Donald, he never thought that Josh was actually going to follow through. He was shocked and afraid, and he, I think he just was stupid as shit at this point, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, But I can see the shock. If you have a friend that jokes about that kind of shit and all of a sudden they do it, I wouldn't know how to react in that moment, I guess. I certainly wouldn't help conceal any bodies, though. Yeah. Um, so, Donald is the only one that knows the truth of how he felt in those moments. And I think it's a real possibility that Donald didn't see any of this coming. He did help with moving Elizabeth's body, though, which was pretty... That doesn't look good, buddy. No. He also didn't help his mom. Yeah. He could have done something. He could have, yeah. There's a lot of controversy as to how cooperative Donald was in all of this. This is a whole thing about whether he got the right sentencing, how active he was in these crimes. It's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. 
So the police arrived on the scene and they found Donald and Josh trying to leave the scene in a white truck. Apparently, Donald actually ran towards the deputies and told them to help his mom, though. They were quickly arrested, and when the police walked inside the home, they found Elizabeth dead just inside by the front door. When they went to the back bedroom, that's where they found Lori with several lacerations, but she was still conscious. Mm. But she died while she was en route to Cadillac Hospital, so she did not make it, and they both died that night. So the night that all this happened, my family, we all heard the sirens going down Rupert Road, and it was so much. Mm -hmm. It was, at the time, we had no idea what was going on. I do remember that this was super unusual, though, because it was a lot of emergency vehicles that we were seeing just going up and down the road, and... We were like, what the hell's going on? This, is, this isn't this is normal. <laughs> so the next day, we all got on the school bus, and the Shacklins weren't on the bus that day. And one of the first things we heard that morning was a rumor that the mom, Lori, was stabbed, but we all thought she was okay, and that it was just some accident. We heard, like, some dude stabbed her, like some random guy or whatever, like mm-hmm. a boyfriend or something. That's what we were hearing at first. Later that day, though, the details came out about what actually happened that night, and to say the community was shocked was an understatement. Absolutely. Now, I was in consumer economics, which is funny because my husband was in that class with me when this happened, but we, our teacher, I'm not going to mention her name, you know who it is, um, she was actually a first responder that night, Mm -hmm. and she was a volunteer, and... We didn't really get much work that day in school done. Like, everything was super somber, especially in that class. We didn't do nothing that day. Mm -hmm. Not a damn thing. She wasn't feeling it. We weren't feeling it. Like, and she did actually talk about everything. I mean, I don't remember all the specifics of what she talked about, but I do remember her telling us a story. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was listening, but man, I can't even remember it. That was years ago. That was a long time ago. Um, she, I just, I do remember her telling us how horrific it was and the smell she mentioned and how blood was everywhere on the ceiling, on the walls, everything was covered in blood, she said. Well, if you think about it, he stabbed her that many times and you're stabbing and you're flinging that knife back. You're it's, flinging blood everywhere. And I mean, then, not that I've done that, but you yeah, know, I've, watched sure. enough, I've watched enough true crime. Okay, guys, this is a true crime podcast. Yeah, it was just it was a, everything was crazy. The bus ride to and from school, we were all quiet. Everything was different. It was it was different. The whole town was just somber and shocked that this happened in our community. But this was not the first tragedy that happened in our community. I think we were all just so distraught because it was another tragedy so close to the one we already had. Are you talking about the coach? mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that actually in another episode at some point. And if you guys know, if you're close to this case, close to our age and our who we are, you know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. We will get to it eventually. I just want to go about it the right way. Mm -hmm. Um. Because he's got kids. My attorneys talked about that. Did they? Yeah, with me and my mom. Interesting. Because they they were the prosecuting attorneys for the people that did it. Good. Good to know. 
So let's discuss the sentencing finally. We're kind of going to get towards the end here, hopefully. (laughs) Joshua Tucker pled guilty to two counts of first-degree murder, and he was tried as an adult. Mm -hmm. He was honest about what he did with the courts, and he told them everything that happened, and he did apologize for his crimes. He was sentenced to 40 years and 10 months in prison for the murders. But I also saw in a source that he was given a life sentence. What is a life sentence? So, it, th- that's so vague because um, I only know this firsthand because I just went through trial. Right. That's why I was like, I'm going to have to ask Amanda about this when I get to it. Cause but you can have, if, if he got charged a life sentence for both murders and it wasn't ran consecutively, it would be roughly 25 years for each. Okay, so then that makes sense, so, right? So that's why people say, like, 25 to life. Yeah. Because um, the only way you're not getting out is if... I don't know. It's so vague. And I'll, I'll talk about it more in, in, my, mm-hmm. in my story. But I think it's different for, for every, every sentencing because the life sentence that I was looking at, not for me personally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. I'm not, I do not, will not Amanda's do that prison life. Amanda's been sentenced to life for the murder of Christina <laughs> because she said too many curse words. But, you know, they were looking at like 27 years. Okay. That's it? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's so vague and I really think it determines on the state too. Okay. So this might be accurate than the 40 years and 10 months thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, he'll be in jail for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Donald pled guilty to manslaughter and rendering criminal assistance. He was given a sentence of seven years for his involvement. Yeah, I remember him getting such a, a such a smaller sentence, and people there was a lot of people that were very outraged. Oh yes, <laughs> there was a lot of controversy mm-hmm. as to their both of their sentences not being heavy enough. But personally, I don't. I don't think that... I mean, let's go to Josh. He deserves to sit and rot in prison. He was also young. Um, I don't... That's why I think his sentence was fair. 40 years, he was young. He was stupid as shit. But he did take two lives. Yeah. But then I also think about it in my brother's murder case. Yeah. You know, somebody is getting say it's 27 years the sentencing has not happened yet so i'm just throwing numbers out there right say he gets 27 years he's younger than me and he's still gonna have a life when he gets out Mm -hmm. that's not fair i i see that and josh was so young when it happened and now he's 30 Mm -hmm. so i mean he's still gonna have his adult life left outside of prison but he spent almost all of his childhood in young adult life, in prison. Yeah. He's not going to know how to act outside of prison. I mean, yeah. maybe he will. Maybe. I, I do it's believe tough. that people change, but it's it's really hard. Just like with the murder that just happened, or the kidnapping that just happened in mm-hmm. Kennewick. This guy was sentenced to prison, spent 20-something years in prison, and got out, and tried killing another ex-girlfriend. Like... <laughs> Some people don't learn. <laughs> yeah. But I think in this case, I think with this particular case, I think 
Ugh, I keep saying I think. But they, <laughs> they both did show growth, I feel like. Mm-hmm. After all this happened, they showed remorse. They acknowledged what they did was so stupid. They really did. And I yeah. felt like that should contribute because there are some people that go in and they're just shitheads. Oh, yeah. So I felt like that should be a factor in this. Um, and if they were on drugs Because the prisons time, maybe. for rehabilitation. Yeah. And that's what you're supposed to be doing. And if they're rehabilitating and becoming better people, they're never... This is always going to be on them for the rest of their lives. And until he turned 18, he was in a juvenile rehabilitation center. So, I mean... uh, I don't know. It's 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 so hard hard because it was such a horrific crime. It's a very confusing crime, too. Yeah, and those two are the only ones who really know why they did it. Yeah. So let's um, let's just close this. Get towards the close of this. Um, I actually have an update on where Josh and Donald are in life today. Yep, I've been following Josh, so I know where he's at. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I check on him like every couple years. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> stalker! Hey, that case impacted this whole town. <laughs> it did. Josh Tucker is still in prison. He is at Airway Heights Correction Center, and he is thirty years old. He is in a 12-step organization and speaks with younger kids, mentoring and lecturing them about the kinds of lives that they're living and how it gets you nowhere. He frequently discusses how he messed up his own life along with countless others because of his selfish actions. He says he did not have a logical reason for the killings and at the time in his life, he was starved for attention and fascinated with serial killers such as Ted Bundy. And he also said that Lori and Elizabeth were nothing but kind to him and he regrets his actions and absolutely feels remorse for his crimes. See, and that, see, that gave me goosebumps too because there's people who show absolutely no remorse. Uh-huh. And that's why I, f- I feel that things were fair, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald, he is currently free living out in the open um he was released a few years ago i actually remember that because around that time i got a friend request from him on facebook i didn't accept it though (laughs) i was like i don't know about this um he is however doing good in life and from my source um he keeps in contact with that person and um i want to give her a huge shout out i'll do it at the end of this because she's given me so many updates but Donald has a girlfriend. He's kind of been on and off with her, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. He lives in another state, and I don't want to mention it just for privacy for him, but he has a son. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yes, he has a son, Donald Jr. (laughs) And So cliche. (laughs) I know. I I do feel some type of way about that, but, you know, to each their own. Yeah. Um, So, regardless, he's out he's got a life now he's living in an apartment he's got a child but hey if he's doing good he's still regardless going to have to live with the horrible events that happened on december 18 2007 for the rest of his life and he has always been remorseful and emotional about the events that happened and he's trying to turn his life around and move on i know in court um when they went over the details of elizabeth when she died, he actually got really emotional, hunched over, started crying. It hit him. It yeah. really did. So, um, Lori and Elizabeth Shacklin, they were taken from this world way too soon. They were both amazing, beautiful souls. They have not and will not ever be forgotten in our community. Um, I do know all the pets were rehomed and that, that was a huge thing. 
the home was destroyed, as Amanda knows, and a new one was built on top of that location. Um, when tragedy happens, we find a way to cope. We rebuild. Lori and Elizabeth, they were cremated, and their ashes are currently with their family. Um, is there justice at the end of this case? I don't know, but we do know it was a horrible, horrible tragedy that could have been prevented in so many ways. And Josh and Donald are going to have to live with that weight on them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And I know Luke, your husband, demoed that house. Yeah. And so I, he's talked to me about it before because it was such a, it was a very gruesome house. And yeah. there was no, so they were contracted to either fix it up. Yeah. Or but in there was there was no fixing. Yeah. Um when they got there, he had said all of the workers that were there were like terrified of that place. And my husband, the dork that he is, he would pop his head up outside the windows oh, no. while people were working and scare them. Oh, that <laughs> dickhead. He would. Or just sit there and stare at them until they oh notice. <laughs> but he did tell me today that he remembers that everybody was on edge through the yeah. entire process. Um, every little splatter of blood was cut out. So when they got there to demo, and I know it is biohazard anyway, so mm -hmm. they usually do do that. But um, yeah, just he just said there would be like a random hole cut out right here. And then six feet over here, you know, another random yeah. hole cut out. So there was just holes everywhere. And Jesus. Yeah. Definitely a demolition that he'll never forget. I bet. Yeah, I remember. They did that with the Sagas... How do I say it? <laughs> how do I say it again? Sagastagi. The Sagastagi house. Because when we went by the house, my husband's like, that's not the same house they put a new one in. Mm -hmm. They do that for a lot of these crimes. Yeah. And I do remember driving by when they put that new house in and all that. Because I was always watching that house. Every time I drove by, I looked at that house. Yeah. Oh, definitely is very interesting. And it just... I didn't, I knew that Josh was at Airway Heights, but I didn't know that he was actually trying to better younger kids. Nope, he is. So I do give him props for that. Yeah. I don't accept the fact that he murdered. No. Two people. I'm, I don't either. I think that I am happy for the fact that he is working on himself instead of being a fucking dirtbag like a lot of them are. And if he can turn these young kids around, you know, I watch Scared Straight. Mm-hmm. Me too. And you have these people in here that are serving life sentences because they murdered multiple people or did very, you know, other bad things. And if any of those people who can turn good can change somebody else from murdering other people or yeah. doing other dangerous crimes, I'm all for that. Yeah, good on you. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy for that fact. It still doesn't change the fact that we lost two lives that day. Exactly. But I am happy that they are both... They both seem like they're in a positive place. place. Yeah. So... Because I couldn't imagine. If you were remorse... Like, being remorseful for that. And you're right. That's something that they have to live with for the rest of their life. And yeah. if you don't care, then you're going to be able to just brush it off your shoulders. But when you have remorse for such crime, that weighs heavy. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I can only imagine how heavy that weighs. You know, and to... 
turn something so negative into something positive and that's what it sounds like Josh is doing and you know Donald's building a, a better life for himself and yeah. hopefully for his son yeah I I do hope I hope Donald can continue I hope he has a good job I hope he can support his family and just be a better human being mm-hmm. I do know that the older brother at the time I didn't even I didn't even cover this and I should have the oldest um, son of Lori's, he was only 20 years old when this happened, and he had to take on the burden of all of this. He had to find homes for every single one of those animals. He had 10 days to sort through all the important documents, anything important, out of that house. He had and to sort while dealing it. with his sister and mom dying. Dealing with his brother incarcerated and yeah. being accused, you know, involved in this, losing his mom, losing his sister. He had a lot of adults stuff to deal with at a very early age Mm -hmm. like he was that's why I wanted to leave his name out out of respect for him because he really took on a lot with that yeah I don't know if he has contact with Donald or not I don't think he does but I could be wrong but this case was just so it was sad it was very sad it was yeah it happened years ago and it's still you know it's I think about it every single time I drive by that house. Absolutely. Like, Never. Not, not one time have I driven by and been like, you know. Yeah. I like say my little there's respect. A, there's a stain on mm-hmm. the earth. You Even know? though the house is completely, I mean, it's a brand new house. They set the house in a different location. Yeah. It's still. It's still there. Yeah. It'll always be there. It'll mm-hmm. always be in that, in the world. Yeah. You know, there's, I believe in, you know, horrible events and tragedies leaving a mark on the world and that's what that is yeah we're never gonna forget it it was a terrible thing we had some amazing people taken from us that didn't deserve to be mm-hmm. and it's just Lori. i think was only 41 yeah i remember her being young because she was she was i think she was pretty close to my mom's age yeah so yeah she was close to my mom's age too she was just such a sweet lady and she didn't deserve that mm. so Anyways, that is uh, the story on the Shacklins, the Ouija board murders. I'm not sure how I'm going to headline this episode yet. Yeah, I don't know. I do have an update, though. I talked to my mom. Uh, This goes back to our Haunted series. Mm -hmm. And I asked her about the snow globe. Oh, yeah? And she remembers. She remembers me telling her the next day that I had this incident. But she can't remember the significance of the snow globe. Mm-hmm. But she has a extremely creepy incident happen to her. And so I asked her if she would give me the deets so I could, you know, tell her story on this podcast. It yeah. was fucking creepy. Is it long? No. Oh, well, then you can tell it. I mean. Well, I, got, I told my mom she has to write down because. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, she could tell. She did tell me about it. So. If I gave the brief description, it would only be like... We'll save it for our next spooky episode then. Yeah. Yeah. But I told her, I'm like, write it down. Yeah. I'll shout you out, you know. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to sneeze. Anyways, we're going to close this because we're like an hour and 15 minutes in. Dang. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I almost thought it was going to be a two-parter. I, you know, I thought it was going to be at first, but I was like, no, I'm just going to bust the shit out because you know what i've been working so hard on it and i just wanted to get it done and i've been waiting to hear this one and i really hope i told it well i just this is my podcast baby Mm -hmm. and i wanted to do it good i wanted to do it well also i think i forgot to do it i need to give a huge huge shout out to amber almas that is 
Elizabeth Shacklin's best friend. Mm -hmm. They were best, best friends back then. I remember her. And she gave me a lot of information. She does talk with Donald occasionally Mm -hmm. and Josh, I believe. So she had a lot of information about this and she helped me tremendously with a lot of details that normal people don't have access to. So I was given access to her accounts of everything because she was very, very close to them. Yeah. So I want to just give her a huge shout out for helping me with this case. Thank you. Um, I'm, you know, he didn't give me permission, but I don't think I need it. Chris Davis <laughs> gave he helped me out with some of the occult stuff. You're awesome if you're listening to this. Um, I just want to thank all of our listeners who help us with. Mm-hmm. The cases that we cover and the information we're gathering because honestly sometimes we need the help absolutely i will never turn down some good help <laughs> absolutely and it makes us better podcasters and it makes us cover these cases better yeah so thank you guys for all your help chris amber and then we had oh god i forgot her name i know her name the who oh my god the one um i'm um, 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 not a maker not a maker Oh, now I can't remember her first name. I want to say Kendall. Oh, Kendall. Kendall. Kendall Nunnemaker. Yeah. So, Kendall, you're freaking awesome. And thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Absolutely. Rock. Thank you. And seriously, I just want to thank you all, everyone who's listening and supporting us through this because we love doing this. We don't have a huge following. But those of those of you that do listen, like, you guys seriously make our days when you reach out, when you comment, when you like yes. our stuff. Like, seriously, thank you. Because we do put a lot of work into this. I It's can't. like a little kid on Christmas when I go and I see that there's a notification yeah. and either somebody messages us or posts a comment, you know, like, super excited about the episode. Yes. Like, I get really giddy. (laughs) I do, too. And this one, I'm really nervous about posting because this particular episode is my baby, and Mm -hmm. I worked so hard on it, and I just want to do it right. So, thank you guys for all your help. I hope you like this episode, and I hope you keep listening. And you're all fucking awesome. You fucking rock. I did it. I said the F word for you. I think you already said it. I did, but I'm going to say it (laughs) over and over and over again for all the haters. Hey, we should start a poll. All you listeners, after you listen to this, <laughs> go on Facebook, and I'm going to post a poll and see if Christina can go her next episode oh for God. sure without cursing. And if she can, I'll do a giveaway. Ooh. I'm not sure what, but I'll do a giveaway. We should do a giveaway. We need to get more interaction, though, so y'all get on that shit. <laughs> so get on there, join the poll. If if I do do a giveaway... I will, I will do a giveaway. When I do the giveaway, though, it will only be to those being active yeah. on the poll. And you you guys who participate will will get a good... And I will actually try really hard if, it, if your guys' um, was it prize or whatever is on the line. Yeah. <laughs> That'll definitely encourage me to shut the hell up. But we'll see. Get your cursing out right now because next... Or I guess you could curse in mine. I could. I usually curse a lot in your episodes, actually. You do. (laughs) But in your next story, mine, no cursing. Oh, God, that's hard. I don't even know what my next story is right now. I'm still working on another one. I don't know if I can curse in that one, so actually that might be a good idea. Anyways, let's end this episode, finally. I'm losing my voice. I'm losing my words. (laughs) They're falling out of my mouth, and they're not going right, so I'm done. I'm freaking done. I'm done researching. I'm taking a break. 
I have to go to work tomorrow. God help me. <laughs> and uh, thank you all so much for the hundredth time. And goodbye. Have a great day. You rock. Bye.